Today is the 23rd of December. It's a Wednesday, <coughs> 2020. And there's just eight days left until that's the end of the year. And so <coughs> people celebrated a lot at the beginning of this year, and now the whole of that year has passed, and it's very close to the end of it. We see that the days and the nights are falling away. And the Buddha taught and asked, well, what are we doing right now? Because it's not just the days and the nights that pass by, but it's the lives of all beings that have been born that are falling away as well. And since we have been born, all of us have known many people who have died, and some who were older than us, and some the same age, and some younger than us. So we see that those beings who are born into this world need to be separated from this world as well. But the separation is also something temporary too. Um, that this body, we have to leave it because it belongs to the world. The earth, water, fire and air that comprise this body, they um, fall under the ownership of this world, so no one is able to take it along with them. It's just the mind comes and resides in this collection of elements, and then when the body passes away, then the mind goes along following its causes and conditions. And when we have attachment, when there's ignorance, uh, craving and attachment, then the mind will seek another birth. So we should try to contemplate this, try to have effort into our practice, cultivating the two qualities of mindfulness and clear comprehension. And then we go about studying the Dhamma, which really means to have mindfulness at the point of the jitta of the mind. And if we can do this, um, then whenever the eye sees a form or the ear hears a sound or we receive an odor or a taste or a tactile sensation or there's a mental object that arises in the mind, then we'll see that the um, craving and the attachment uh, will come up you know, towards those things. And then the chelases will arise, and these will cause the mind to proliferate, going into feelings of liking and disliking, giving rise to greed, hatred, and delusion, where at times there's an absence of greed, hatred, and delusion in the mind. So whatever happens, we follow up on it. We pay attention to our minds and the contents of our minds. And if our samadhi is well established, then we'll be able to do this and we'll also be able to teach our minds at the same time and telling them that whatever they're attached to, it's not sure, it's inconstant, it's unstable. And sometimes this is all that's required, is just to teach our minds in this way and we'll be able to accept that and the mind will put down its attachments. Whatever we like, we teach ourselves, this is not sure, it's inconstant. The people that we hate, we teach ourselves, 
that this feeling is unsure, it's inconstant. And then the mind will be able to let go, be able to put down that particular emotion or sense object. And if we can do this, then Lumpucha taught that that's all right, that that's good enough, that's enough. So we don't need to go and explain many things to uh, give a lot of details in order for our minds to understand and let go of their attachment. So if we can do this, then this is vipassana, uh, insight meditation, because we're following the mind. And so it's uh, citta, nupassana, satipatthana, uh, the foundation of mindfulness, of uh, taking up the mind as the foundation of mindfulness, seeing that the mind is just the mind. So if we have mindfulness, um, then, and our mindfulness is strong enough, then we'll be able to do this. Um, but if we try to just have mindfulness over the mind, but it still goes and attaches to things, that when a sense object appears in the mind, we teach it that it's not sure, um, it's unstable, but our minds don't accept that. They still go and attach. Um, then it shows that they have a lot of delusion and wisdom isn't able to arise in this internal environment. So when wisdom doesn't arise, then we need to come back to the stage of samadhi and make this firm. So if we're trying to follow up on our minds, but the energy of our sati is too small and delusion is too great, then the mind will just chase after all of these sense impressions. So we need to come back to watching, having mindfulness over our body, over the breath, using the meditation word of Buddha or chanting a lot, um, coming back to the stage of samadhi, of making that firm. And there are some practitioners who just want to watch their minds and they expect to understand the Dhamma through doing that. And they ask, is that a right? Is it possible? Well, if our internal energy is sufficient, if we've cultivated a lot of bharami, and if our samadhi is strong, then it's okay. But we need to have a sense of ourselves first, knowing whether our mindfulness really is enough, whether our sati is constant, whether it's continuous, so that we're able to follow up on our minds, knowing whether they have these defilements present in them or not. And the reason that we have this mindfulness is so that we can correct anything that's gone wrong in our minds. So if there is greed, hatred, and delusion, then we can fix those. For example, if we're deluded, in that we see the body as being something beautiful, we can contemplate into its unattractive nature, look through the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, taking up this asubha kamatana practice. And so this is for correcting uh, that uh, distorted view of the body being beautiful. And also if there's anger towards anyone, and we can teach ourselves, well, why would we want to get angry? Because all beings just want happiness. No being wants to suffer. And everyone has to die, just like we do. Through doing this, we should be able to put that emotion down. 
So the reason that we follow up on our minds, watch them, is to be able to teach them. And when we're able to do this constantly, uh, that shows that our samadhi is well established and wisdom can be born. So this is uh, the correct way of looking at the mind. But if we watch the mind and the doubts that we have just get stronger, the thoughts become more and more restless, the mind becomes more chaotic. If there's anger and we watch that, then and the mind just thinks more and more angry thoughts, uh, provoking that anger, and shows that the firmness or the stability of our minds is insufficient. So under these conditions, then insight uh, can't arise. So we need to come back to the basics of watching this body, of being mindful of the breath, of taking up a meditation word. Whatever movements our body is doing, then we're aware of that, we know that. And so we take uh, the body as the basis uh, for our practice. And then anything that arises in the mind, uh, then we can contemplate that, we can be aware of that. Contemplate that life is not sure, but death is sure. And there was one time that I saw this myself. Um, I saw a corpse and um, I was undergoing an autopsy. And so I got to see what was inside the body as well. As uh, the doctors cut open this body and you could see the heart and the lungs, uh, the liver, the kidneys, all the different organs inside and the brain as well. I saw that all life, it has to meet with death. And uh, this was Samatha Kamatana at that point, um, the uh, meditation which leads to peacefulness, to calm, to serenity, uh, to inner stillness. But when my mind started to proliferate um, and say that this body is a policeman, and then at that point it was giving rise to conventions, it was supposing these things into being, but there was that stillness of mind, there was that samadhi. Uh, so I could see this as it was happening. So the practices of generosity, of keeping precepts, of meditation, is to bring the mind to stillness in this way. So all uh, the dana that we do, um, the sila, the bhavana, this is for stillness. And when we have the stillness, then we're able to look at the mind, and we don't see, it doesn't create um, any thoughts of anyone being anything, because there's just this internal stillness. But it's when the mind starts to move, when it starts to think and proliferate, uh, that there's mindfulness, watching that, knowing it as it happens. And so it says that this is a policeman, but there's this internal knowledge arising that Really, it's not a policeman. This doesn't actually exist. So when the mind moves, then there's this awareness, there's a knowing of it as it moves, and brightness arises, light arises. Wisdom comes up from this meditation practice, the true wisdom that comes from vipassana. 
So at that point, I could see all the people walking around um, as though they weren't really people. There were things that were moving, but it was just states of Dhamma that were moving around. There was no person there. You could say it, or conventionally you could say it was a being, but really there weren't any beings. There was no animal. There was no human. It was just a collection of elements of nature that were moving around, just like robots that the mind had come to uh, take control over. And just like how we can separate out a car from its driver. And so when there's mindfulness and wisdom, you can separate out the mind from the robot that it is moving around. You see these things just uh, tottering around. So when the mind is still, then that's how you'll see, pe- will see people, will see their bodies as just being like robots. So this is uh, the fruits of citta, nupasana, satipatthana, the fruits that come from the peacefulness of mind. I'm seeing into the nature of conventions and thereby liberating the mind. So it allows us to put down the attachments that we have towards self. And the mind goes from this world to another world. So there's insight that arises, wisdom that arises, through seeing into this nature of inconstancy, stress, and not self with clarity. Something that I hadn't seen before. And really this practice of jitta nupasana arises uh, all by itself. Um, But we need to create the conditions for a peaceful mind first for it to happen. We need to do this a lot because it gives us great benefits. It's a great source of merit and of skillfulness. And then when we reach this point where vipassana arises, there'll be a profound appreciation to the goodness of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha uh, that goes very deeply into our hearts. And see that the nature of Dhamma is just like this. But we need a still mind first uh, to do it. Because uh, if the mind isn't still, then we just won't be able to get there. So we need to put in our efforts, we need to try. Just like how there is fire within a rock. But if we don't strike that rock against another one, then a spark won't arise. So in the same way, our minds have a Buddha within them. They have this awakened nature within them. But if we don't put in our efforts, then that Buddha won't show himself. So when we have faith like we do, we also need to put in our efforts. And everything that we do relies upon the effort that we put in. Whether we're talking about making money, succeeding in education, gaining different kinds of knowledge, these all depend upon energy and effort. So we need to use these qualities. We need to bring up mindfulness, um, an awareness of all the qualities, all the sense objects that arise in our hearts. And this mindfulness becomes the means to protect our hearts from these qualities. Uh, from these sense impressions. And just like in the world now, that there's 
this virus that's spreading around, uh, this COVID virus, and people need protection from that. They put masks over their faces, they use hand wash, or you can do different things to raise up the immune system of the body to make it stronger. Um, take vitamin C, for instance, or ginger helps, or drinking hot water. So these are things that have shown good results in increasing our, our immune system so that the, our bodies are able to ward off illness. In the same way, our hearts need immunity as well. And this immune system is mindfulness itself. If we're able to build up this immune system, it provides the right conditions for wisdom to arise. Or what we can gain through this jitta nupasana from being mindful of the mind. So, but really, the mindfulness over the body, gaya uh, nupasana, or mindfulness over vedana, or feelings, mindfulness over the mind, or mindfulness over dhamma, these are all actually just one thing. And in the practice, they don't get separated out like this into four qualities. And the way that Lumpur Cha taught, he never separated them out. So when we have mindfulness over the breath, for instance, we're doing that for inner peace. And then the practice just progresses all by itself. When the mind is peaceful, then we'll see and we'll know the nature of the mind. We'll see Vedana clearly. And we'll understand that all things that arise are Dhamma. That really everything is Dhamma. There isn't anything at all that isn't Dhamma. We'll see things arise and cease. See that there's no being there, no me, no other. And this is what happens in the practice. That as we go along, these things occur by themselves. And all of these qualities gather together into one into just this practice of being mindful and having clear comprehension. Whether we use the body as the basis for that, or feelings, or the mind, or Dhamma, um, these are all okay. We can use all of them. And if the energy that we have internally is enough, um, then that's fine. But if our internal energy is not so much, then we need to be careful about what we use. We can come back to just the basics of taking up a meditation word, just one word, and reciting this over and over until our heart reaches stillness. And then when they're in the still place, when we start to think and proliferate, there will be a knowing that arises in time that's able to keep up to speed with these things. Um, seeing them as they arise and cease. And if we do have internal stillness, we'll be able to see that and see that really all material things, uh, they're not actually real. And they don't have any uh, inherent characteristics to them. There's no color, there's no name. If the mind doesn't proliferate, then these things just don't exist. And so everything uh, becomes a cause for vimuti, for liberation at that point. So we'll see the arising and uh, ceasing of all things, 
that nothing lasts. And this is vipassana, this clear insight and wisdom. And perhaps we're looking at a jedi uh, or a stupa that has been decorated all nicely. Our minds may gain a sense of fullness from that, knowing that we've helped to build that. So there's a lot of merit that arises in our minds. And as we recollect that frequently, the heart becomes full with that merit. And then it reaches stillness. There's this great quietude to the mind that becomes uh, very still, very calm. And then from this placid place, another kind of, an, of knowing, knowledge arises because we can see the arising and ceasing of this jetty or of the lights that are decorating it. We see it arise and cease, arise and cease. And seeing as the uh, electricity flows into these lights, um, the normally with the high frequency with which the electricity flows in, we don't see the arising and ceasing. But if the mind is still enough, we will be able to perceive that. We'll be able to see that with every single second, these things are deteriorating and decaying. So a knowledge arises, a wisdom arises, but the stillness of heart is the prerequisite for that, for the seeing of arising and ceasing. When we understand this nature of rising and ceasing, then we've seen into the Dhamma, then we have wisdom. So this practice of bhavana, of cultivating the heart, is something that's of great importance, and it's a profound source of merit. So there's the merit that comes from generosity, from virtue, from bhavana, from abandoning the wrong views that we have. And we see that um, illnesses in this world, such as COVID, they're only able to make us die once in this life. And COVID, it's not going to follow us to the next life. Uh, but what's even more severe, what's more harmful than COVID, is the ignorance that we have in our hearts that we can take with us beyond death. And that will make us die many, many times. It can cause us death over the period of millions of years. So we see that the number of Buddhas who have become enlightened is more than the grains of sand in the Ganges River. And we can consider this, that the Ganges is such a long river that flows all the way from the Himalayas to the Indian Ocean. And the number of Buddhas that have attained awakening is greater than the grains of sand in that river. That they had to build up so much Barami in order to do this. And even though this extremely long amount of time has passed, we are still here in Sangsara. So that shows that the number of lives that we've had in this realm of birth and death is immense. And so it's ignorance that takes us um, through this process that will take us to death many, many times. It's taken us into this life as well. If we can abandon that ignorance or get rid of it, uh, then an internal Buddha is able to be born in our hearts. 
this inner state of awakening can show itself within ourselves. But we need to put in our efforts to look at this body and mind, uh, to watch over the mind, seeing it as being just that, just a mind. Or knowing, or, or seeing it as just being a knowing element. And in doing this, we can let go of it and experience emptiness be able to abandon all the conceit that we may have, seeing ourselves as being higher, equal, or lower to others. We'll be able to put all this down. In the beginning, however, it's something that's very difficult to abandon, and we won't be able to do it. Whenever any sense impression arises, um, then we have a knowing of that, and we teach our minds, teach ourselves that if we are higher than someone, we're going to have to die. If we're equal to them, if we're lower than them, we're going to have to die all the same. That nothing, no one can stop death. And if we're better than someone, is that going to be able to take us out of suffering? Will that be able to stop us from getting old? We see that for those people who we may consider to be better than us, or the same as us, or lower than us, they will have to undergo old age, sickness, and death as well. So all of us really are equal in this regard. And through seeing this, we can put down our conceit, we can abandon it, and train our minds to have wisdom, considering ourselves as just being uh, a foot cloth that other people can use to wipe their feet with, or do whatever they want with, that we don't have any conceit. And this is how Sariputta, the right-hand disciple of the Buddha uh, regarded himself. This was how Lumpurman regarded himself. This was how Lumpurcha regarded himself and taught us to regard ourselves as well. To not get attached to the conventions that we can live by. But even though the languages we use might be different, um, the characteristics we have might be different, but we don't go and think that ours are better than others. These are just conventions. We tell, tell ourselves to abandon conceit. To not think in ways that um, I am better or equal or lower to anyone. And when we can put down this conceit, then our minds become open and spacious. And uh, they, this can lead us to Nibbāna. So we should train our minds like this, put in our efforts in this way.